If you had one piece of advice for a person who wants to succeed in your field, what would it be? For me, I really think it's appetites, finding out what you like to do. And uh, I don't think a lot of people would like to get into this field. It requires a lot of mathematical skills and that sort of thing. So with my students, I always think the success of my students is about 80% selection, you know, finding the right match between students' abilities. But intelligence is a lot of it as, as well. So what, if anything, do you wish you had done differently in your 20s, 30s, or 40s? You can pick whatever relevant decade. Yeah. Well, I feel I've led a charmed life. You know, I've just been at the right place at the right time. So there's um, really nothing professionally that I would have done differently. And there's certainly some big personal mistakes I've made, but best not getting into those. Mm. <laughs> 10 years from now, what do you think you'll regret doing too much of or too little of at this point in your life? Well, I'm trying very hard to think that way because I don't have that many 10 years left. So, mm. you know, when you get older, you start counting backwards, don't you? You've got time to do that. So I'm thinking hard about, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Rather than just being swept along as it's easy to do in academia. So I'm yeah. really thinking hard about what I want to do. I don't get grants because I can get a grant. I'm trying to get grants that I really want to do. And if I don't get them, I'll find something else I really want to do. But I do think it's important probably for people to recognize even earlier that, you know, you, you really got to prioritize what you want to do because life's a lot shorter than you think. Well, we've already found out that you're not squandering your time on social media. So that's, uh, I recommend you not start <laughs> at this point. I definitely won't. What is something that you're right about that is very controversial? Well, according to you and your blank slate friends, just the idea of the importance of genetics across the board. But uh, I think even more controversial is this idea of non-shared environment. People, you know, just barely grasp it, but they don't really grasp the full implications of it for parenting and education and society as a whole. So to remind people in this context, what is non-shared environment? It's the environment's important. It accounts for about half of the differences on average, but it's not the environment we thought was important. It's not systematic effects of the family environment, which we used to call nurture. Whatever it is, it's making two kids growing up in the same family different from one another, not similar to one another, even though they have the same parents. So that's why it's called non-shared environment. But after 30 years of trying to identify what these factors might be, we've come to conclude that they're basically not systematic. They're idiosyncratic chance. Mm. What book should everyone read? Do you have one book that you, uh, you recommend frequently? I, I would say uh, Judith Rich Harris, even though it's an old book now. I mean, it really did a great job popularizing these issues in, what was it, 96 or something like that? So that's called the nurture assumption. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's more of the same, but she's a very eloquent writer. And um, so I guess I would recommend that book. There's so many books to recommend, but off the top of my head, that's mm -hmm. one I would suggest to people that they might not otherwise know. Right. What most worries you about our collective future? Uh, well, so many things right now. I haven't heard your latest podcast on... Mm -hmm. uh, the nuclear threat. I heard, I've heard some of the earlier ones, though, so mm. I can imagine, imagine what I'm in there mm. in for now. And I think, you know, you're right that nobody talks about it, but that may be one of our, the biggest risk for us today. So I, 
I guess I have to stay tuned for your next podcast to find out what other things I should be worrying mm -hmm. about. I, I would like to say that you first got me worried about COVID-19. You know, you were like two weeks ahead of everybody yeah. else. And when I heard that first podcast, I said, oh, there's Sam, the pessimist, and being gloomy about everything. But uh -huh. then as I followed up what you were saying, I, it really did turn me around. And I said, whoa, I, I mm. was just kind of sloughing it off too, just saying, oh, well, it's just a flu and we're making a big deal about this. So thanks for that. I mean, mm. I think you, you made me, you know, nice. you said you, you were going into lockdown. I went to lockdown two weeks before everybody else and my whole staff, I told them go home. And um, I think that, that really paid off. So, nice. you know, thanks. You probably got some flack for that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, no, I feel like I was late, but the response in America and even in the UK is nothing to gloat about at this point. So no, absolutely. Not, yeah. If you could solve just one mystery as a scientist, what would it be? Well, it's called missing heritability. You know, the gap between, say, the heritability of 50 or 60% from twin and adoption studies and the amount of variance we can explain with DNA. And even for height, we can only explain 25% of the variance. So what is, where is the rest of that heritability called missing heritability? And there's a lot of um, ways of thinking about that. So if I could solve any problem, that's the one I'd like to solve. Because although explaining, say, 15% of the variance with DNA of school achievement, that's good. But as you point out, 60% is a world of difference. Mm. So that's the missing heritability gap. Isn't that just a matter of, of more data? I mean, in, when we yeah. completely sequence enough genomes, won't we have that story told? Yeah, well, with school achievement, we explained, say, three or four years ago, 3% of the variance, then 6%, then 10%, and it's now 15%. And that's because the genome-wide association studies have gone from 200,000 to 1.1 million people. And those mm. huge studies allow you to pick up very small effects. But I think we're running up against the limit there. I don't think it is. Bigger studies will give you more of these associations, but I think we need something else. And most people think what we need are rare variants and whole genome sequencing. But right. there are some other possibilities like gene-environment interaction and gene-gene interaction. So solving the missing heritability problem would be the thing that would please me and probably most every other life scientist mm. the best. Okay, the last two here. If you could resurrect one person from history and put them in our world today and give them the benefit of a modern education, if necessary, who would you bring back? Wow. Well, right away I think of Darwin, but I'd rather be more controversial and say Galton, who's in... Mm. Um, That's interesting. That will be controversial. Yeah. I mean, he, he was very, he was smart. There's no, no question. Probably smarter than Darwin. But you'd have to give him a good uh, talking to by, uh, by a <laughs> team of uh, social justice warriors to, uh, <laughs> to you, you, there'd be some exorcism performed before you turned him loose on the world in the, the he, current environment. Yeah, but I think he'd be smart enough if he grew up in this environment to know yeah. what that's about. Because he grew yeah. up in an environment that, you know, it was quite acceptable among intellectuals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The final question that's it's not actually unrelated to uh, everything we've talked about, and also, I think, with some probability in the cards for us, is the uh, Jurassic Park question. If we're in a position <laughs> to recreate the T-Rex, should we do it? I would say absolutely. 
just like I would say, you know, people differ a lot when you say, do you want to know your, your DNA score for Alzheimer's? People divide mm -hmm. right down the middle if you ask a public audience. Some say yes, some say absolutely not. Why do they say absolutely not? There's nothing you can do about it now. Whereas people like me would say, yeah, knowledge is power, forewarned is forearmed, and there are things you could do about it. You can't fix it biologically. But if I knew I was at high genetic risk for Alzheimer's, I would arrange my life differently. You know, like I'd, I'd certainly save for it. I'd try and get up, a, a set up a social situation that would cover me for it. And I mm. think I'd add an extra dollop of carpe diem in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Well, Robert, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Terrific. Thank you so much, Sam.